You're listening to the Joyful Warrior Podcast with yours truly, Tiffany Justice. Join us as we talk about the issues that are impacting you and your family in America today. Let's get started. Hey, Joyful Warriors, Tiffany Justice here with Moms for Liberty, and I am so excited to have a very special guest with us today. Kimberly Herman from the Southeastern Legal Foundation is joining us. Kim is general counsel at Southeastern Legal Foundation, one of the nation's oldest conservative public interest law firms. SLF works to reclaim our civil liberties and has taken the fight against unconstitutional woke education to the courtroom. Welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast, Kim. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Wonderful. I'm so excited because right now I'm looking at a guidebook that SLF has put together, you have put together, called A Parent's Guide to Saving America's Public Schools, Your Child's Rights and What to Do About Them. So Kim, tell us, you're a mom, right? I am. I have a five and an almost eight-year-old. And so busy, busy, um, but just happy to be in this fight with with you and all of your members. Absolutely. And so I'm so excited about this guidebook because I know we want to give parents tools that they can use in order to make the change happen that they want to see in their communities. And we know that so many parents across the country are really struggling right now. They're not sure what to do. They know things are happening in schools. They know some of this stuff isn't right, um, but they're not always sure exactly where their rights start and stop and how to protect their children. So Kim, this guidebook is amazing. I'm just going to read the, the, the kind of introduction page and then I, I'd like if you could kind of walk us through it. So yeah, that would be great. Awesome. So you say we're here to help. The most important battleground in the fight to save our American Republic is the public schools. How do we engage the public schools and actually win? What a great question. America's public schools have replaced colorblind education with race-based programming in the name of equity. They condition individuals to see only skin color, put everyone into a hierarchy of racial privilege, and pit racial groups against each other. Then they use the full power of government to investigate and silence criticism of this hateful ideology. This is totalitarian tyranny, not a democratic republic. That's the bad news. The good news is that parents like you have had enough. You recognize that those putting this divisive and hateful ideology into practice are using our public schools to create a generation of social justice warriors. You are correct to recoil from equity and anti-racism. They are deeply destructive and controversial ideas, the very opposite of equality. In our experience, many of you need an answer to your problems right now. That's why we've compiled this guidebook. In it, you'll find an overview of what to look for in your schools, your rights as a parent, your child's rights as a student, and hypotheticals to help you navigate the problems you may encounter. The law can be a powerful weapon, offering hope for a lasting victory. Before you can successfully reclaim your schools, you must first understand your rights and lay out a strategy. It is our goal to give you the tools to stand up for your child in this fight for freedom, and we are ready to assist you every step of the way. Wow, Kim, that's so awesome. <laughs> Thank you for, for putting this together. What was, tell me a little bit, what, what has it been like working as a lawyer and a mom right now in these times in America? Um, it's been pretty powerful, to be honest, right? Um, to see all of the moms that have stood up and all of the dads that have stood up and said, we are going to take back our schools. And I'll kind of rewind you a couple of years. Um, 
in the fall of 2019, we at Southeastern Legal Foundation started to see um, this issue in education. So the replacement of, as we said, traditional education with race-based programming, these, um, let's say, orientation classes that were, we were seeing in colleges a lot of times, and the changes on our college campuses. We saw that through our 1A project, um, where we fight for free speech on our nation's uh, universities and colleges across the country. When we saw that, we said, you know, where is this coming from? And the students kept on saying, well, we had this in high school. And we had no idea this wasn't a kitchen table conversation. This wasn't something that people were talking about. And we truly had no idea what to do about it. We knew this was a problem. We knew it was unconstitutional. And we started to put together a legal strategy. And we've filed multiple cases. We filed a lawsuit in Evanston, Illinois. We filed a lawsuit in Springfield, Missouri, on behalf of teachers who want to fight this. But the parents were scared. The parents who started to come to us in the fall of 2020 and um, as we exposed this more, had no idea what to do. And as a mom myself, all I wanted to do was give them some additional tools. I wanted to say, let me help you in understanding the law in the way that I do and have been fortunate to as an attorney. And so we just kind of, this idea then kind of hatched to, to make this parent guidebook so that parents can arm themselves and not have to, you know, call me every single time and say, I don't know what the equal protection clause is. They can instead call me and say, hey, I saw an equal protection clause violation. Let's do something about it. They can identify what the problems are themselves. So I want to jump right into the guidebook, if we can, Kim. And the first page is critical race theory. And it says, CRT holds that America was founded on white supremacy and oppression, and that racism is embedded in America's legal system, government policy, and the Constitution. And so, you know, for American parents who uh, were told that CRT is only a college-level course, of course, how silly of us to think that it's being taught in schools, and yet we see all of this evidence, right, of, of what certainly looks like critical race theory. So tell us, how does CRT work? in schools yeah i mean i hear i hear that all the time right um it's amazing that people are still saying it but critical race theory is being implemented in schools in every single um lesson plan that you will see in many of these classes it could be in a math question that uses race as the basis it could be in a survey we just exposed some of these out in missouri um last week where they're asking leading questions Things like, um, when is the first time that you realized that, you know, white people and black people treat each other differently? Wow. I mean, wow, right? It, it, it sounds um, like maybe a benign question, but you know it's not, and I know it's not. It's extremely loaded. Um, it obviously assumes that, that these kids are going to think that people treat each other differently because of their skin color. And every one of these lessons that we see, that is the goal. It's to condition our kids to see only skin color. So when they see somebody, they're not seeing their heart. They're not seeing anything else about them, but that's the first identifier. And then in their heads, they're automatically going to place them in this hierarchy of racial privilege. So in other words, if I'm white, I'm the oppressor, and if they're black, then they're the oppressed or a victim. And then it takes it a step further, and we have books like Not My Idea, a book about whiteness. We have these YouTube videos that associate white people with the KKK. Um, and it is just pitting racial groups against each other based solely on your skin color. 
It's been so. It's at every level. It is. And it's so interesting. I mean, parents feel it, right? Even Moms for Liberty, you know, we have these beautiful moms all across the country that are looking at public schools, that are watching the data um, as it comes in and seeing, you know, kids weren't doing well before COVID in school. Now they're, they've fallen even farther behind. And moms aren't worried just about their own children. They're worried about all children in general and how kids are doing in school. And, um, you know, this just feels like an excuse for educational failure. CRT, um, having worked in public schools, Kim, you know, I, 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 it I is. yeah, it is. And, yeah. and we're only going to see, I mean, like they're not, they're not being taught the things that they need to be taught, right? These kids, you look at the, you know, the reading levels, you look at the, you know, the test scores that they're even giving them tests right now to, um, right. I mean, we've seen the schools get rid of standardized tests because they don't want to see and have to acknowledge how abysmal, um, their, their teaching actually is because they're focusing on things like the wheel of power and privilege and teaching kids that they can, you know, pick their identity and that doctors guess and get it wrong um, instead of teaching them what they should be teaching them. And all of it is aimed at teaching kids to hate America so that they will become the social justice warriors and become the progressive army um, out there as they get older and to dismantle the system. And it's really a shame because it's our kids who are going to be the ones who are sacrificed in all of this. And our country that's going to suffer in their future. Mm -hmm. So I look on the next page and you have red flags. So I said something about an excuse for educational failure. When you talk about the data that we're going to see coming out of schools, and this is the first year since 2019, really, that we're going to have any uh, student achievement data. Um, You know, I talk about these red flags. You say diversity and inclusion, culturally responsive teaching, social justice, implicit bias, anti-racism, equity. The idea that a white student or a black student needs to be taught math differently because of the color of their skin is just ridiculous. Um, And that's sometimes, you know, with culturally responsive teaching, we're seeing, um, you know, kind of teaching being done differently for different students and how they identify, um, which is concerning in general. Um, The other thing that I think is really worrisome, again, as we have data coming out, is that all of these things um, are are like frosting on a cake, and yet the kids aren't learning. So, you know, what do parents do? Parents see these things like diversity and inclusion. Kim, you know, that diversity and inclusion sounds nice, doesn't it? It sounds nice, right? I mean, equity also, it sounds like equality. But the two are very, very different things. And parents need to recognize that when they see these red flags, what it means is it's, it's a rejection of their school in the idea of colorblindness, right? We're supposed to be and we should strive to be a colorblind country. We have a colorblind constitution. And instead, we have schools that are in black and white on paper saying that if you believe in a colorblind country, you are a white supremacist. They are teaching children that. Wow. And so when they see any of these red flags, any of these words, that's what they need to remember, right? If my school is doing this, they do not believe in a colorblind world. And that is, I don't know how more, how, how, you know, I could say it more plainly than that. So then we move on to the next page and it says the First Amendment protects your right to speak. And then it says underneath, it also protects your right not to speak. So what is speech, Kim? What does that mean, your child's right to speak? Yeah, so speech basically encompasses anything. It could be what your kid's wearing to school. It could be um, symbols. It could be a sticker they put on their locker, their social media. Almost anything is protected by the First Amendment, even including hate speech or offensive speech. That's what your kid's school is going to try to tell you is not protected by the First Amendment, and they are wrong, 
even hate and offensive speech. I'm not saying to go out and engage in that kind of speech, but it is protected by the First Amendment. And why is that important? Explain to us why that's important. It's really important because we see a lot of schools that are saying, you can't say X, Y, and Z because you might offend somebody. You might hurt somebody's feelings. If you say you voted for Donald Trump, or if you say you didn't vote for Donald Trump, right? Um, that's kind of the easiest example because we've seen many times where somebody may have had that flag in their background during Zoom and they were told you can't have that because it's the first, you know, it's offensive. Or um, statements about COVID that kids might make. And they're trying to make it that if anyone's feelings are hurt, you can't say it. And that's just not true. And parents need to know that. So when can a school restrict student speech? Yeah, so they can restrict student speech in a few situations. Um, if it's indecent, lewd, or vulgar speech, then the school can restrict that. If a student is promoting illegal drug use, they can restrict that. If it's materially or substantially disrupting school operations, and basically what that means, that's another area where the schools try to bring in a lot of additional restrictions on student speech, but we are talking about true disruption, violence, harassment, invading the rights of others um, in a physical kind of way. And so it is a very limited time when a school can restrict student speech. And it's really just kind of one of those, it would pass the smell test. If a parent sees their kid's speech being restricted and it just doesn't seem right, then it, it very possibly is not. And that's when they should probably reach out to an attorney. Okay, and so then you, you also say, so, uh, you know, the First Amendment protects your right to speak. It also protects your right not to speak. So talk to us a little bit about your child's right not to speak. Yeah, we've seen this in some of the cases that have been brought throughout the country, too. Um, but, you know, a school can't require a student to speak, just like the government can't require you or I to speak. Um, people don't realize this, but the Supreme Court's actually said that schools can't even require uh, kids to pledge allegiance to the flag, the American flag. That is compelled speech, and that's unconstitutional. And then what you have is you've got teachers across the country putting up BLM flags or LGBTQIA plus flags in their room, and they're requiring the kids to actually pledge allegiance to these in some places, or to take anti-racist pledges, or to opine on these, you know, racial-based programming and saying that, like we mentioned, say colorblindness is white supremacy. Kids are being asked to say that. That is all unconstitutional. We're not talking about, um, you know, a lot of people ask sometimes, well, if my kid has to read Shakespeare and do a report on it, is that compelled speech? No, that's not compelled speech. We're talking here about having to affirm beliefs or ideas that you just fundamentally do not believe in. And so we're seeing, and, and just to take this to a different level, but we're seeing with some teachers, we have seen some teachers come forward and say, I'm not comfortable um, using different pronouns for a child or a different name if the parents aren't aware. And so we, I know that that's been, on the, on the teacher's side, compelled speech in that way. There have been some questions about that. Yeah, there have been some teachers there um, that some of our friends have, have represented them, that they're saying, you know, that violates my religious rights because I don't believe in that. It violates my um, religious beliefs. We've also had teachers like our clients in Springfield, Missouri, who have brought compelled speech claims against teacher trainings, because in the teacher trainings, they were forced to hold up signs agreeing to things like, um, 
we should be teaching kids about socialism. Socialism is a good thing. Parents are the oppressors of their children. These are direct quotes that were used during these wow. trainings. These teachers were required. Yeah, yeah. You get that? Parents are oppressors of their children, and they were hold. They were told to hold up these signs, physical signs that said "agree," "strongly agree," "disagree," "strongly disagree," and they were told if you disagree with these statements, you will be reprimanded, and some were. That and, is compelled speech. And so can, the question is, can a school punish my child for speaking? And, so, and, and, and I, I'll tell you, Kim, I love this guide because you're asking, you're, you're putting these questions there and then you're giving answers. So one of the questions you have is, can a school punish my child for speaking? Yeah, if your child's speech is protected by the First Amendment, and like I mentioned, almost everything is protected by the First Amendment, a school can't retaliate against them. And that means that they can't give them a bad grade. They can't discipline them. They can't ostracize them. That's really where a lot, where we see a lot of this, right, is maybe the teacher won't give a bad grade or maybe they won't discipline them because they know they're going to be caught, but they do ostracize them. It's being called out in class. It's being, you know, not selected for, uh, for a club, maybe not being allowed to have your club on campus, things like that. There's a lot of ways that that happens, and that's where parents really need to keep their antennas up and talk to their kids about this, so that their kids know where their rights are. So we've talked about some of the things that are happening in the schools. Now we're going to talk about discrimination and unequal treatment. And on page six, um, it says, all students are entitled to equal treatment under the law. The Constitution and Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibit public schools from treating students differently because of skin color. So what does that mean that schools can and can't do? Yeah, so schools can't do things like deny somebody a benefit or a service because of their race. So they can't say, you can't be part of this group or you can't be part of this program because you're not the right skin color. They can't consider race um, in admissions. That's something that right now is going up to the Supreme Court at the college level and our friends over in Virginia are fighting this at a high school level because schools are trying to do this. They can't restrict your access to a benefit or service because of race. And most importantly, they can't segregate people based on their skin color. That should be extremely obvious to everyone in this country, um, but it's not obvious to the educators right now. We have schools like up in Evanston, Illinois, where we have filed a lawsuit where there is actual mandatory physical segregation by your skin color. They, are, they had the white teachers go in one room, the non-white teachers go in another room, and they did different teacher training lessons on race and race-based programming. They then passed that along to their students in class. Things like a privilege walk. A privilege walk, if people don't know what that is, it's when you're asked questions, um, prompts, like because of my skin color, I um, you know, haven't had the same opportunities because of... Uh, my skin color, I didn't get to go to, you know, camp. I mean, it's basic questions like that, honestly. Um, but everything's because of your skin color. And then they say, here's the color line, and they divide everyone by black and white. And that's segregation. Um, it seems like the most basic thing. And I can honestly tell you, I never in a million years, when I started working at Southeastern Legal Foundation 13 years ago, thought that I would be bringing cases to end segregation because I didn't, couldn't even imagine a world where it was still happening. It especially is, not in our school. it is wild 
to see. And, and, and it so really is. it is. And we say there's no room for discrimination in America's public schools. Um, that is absolutely. There's no room for uh, discrimination in America at all, and especially in our public schools, in our private schools, anywhere. The fact that the fact that these schools want to set us back over 70 years to a time where that's all we're looking at with one another and separated, uh, it it truly is beyond me, and it's one of the things that drives me the most. Um, to continue this fight. And our kids deserve um, to live in a country where they are all equal and they are not divided. Um, and at such a young age as children, you know, children love each other. <laughs> I'm a mom of four. You have two small children. Um, you know, kids really do enjoy and love each other and celebrate their uniqueness together. So um, this idea that we're having them divide themselves, is just it's just craziness, to be honest with you. So Kim, if your child was discriminated against, what are your legal options? Yeah, so you, you could file a complaint with the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights. Right now, we know that's going to go nowhere. Um, there was a case, again, th- this links back to our case in Evanston, Illinois, but um, where a complaint was filed, the Department of Education did find that segregation violates the Civil Rights Act. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um but what is surprising is that once Biden took office, three days later, the Department of Education withdrew that finding. Wow. So for some reason, in the span of three days, according to the Biden administration, segregation became okay. That's beyond me. And so when you get to a point where something like that's actually happening, um, you can, again, you can file a complaint. It's not going to go anywhere right now. And so that's when you need to start thinking about whether or not you should file a lawsuit. A lawsuit should be the last uh, the last line of, of attack, the last line of defense here. Um, but sometimes the facts do warrant it. Again, in a case of mandatory segregation, the only way you're going to stop that if a school's actually dug in and doing it is by filing a lawsuit. And you will win that because, seg- again, segregation's illegal. And then talk to us a little bit about state, state ethics complaints. Yeah, so most states have a way that parents or teachers can actually file an ethics complaint. Our ethics laws in all these different states say you can't violate um, a child's civil rights, right? So it kind of just takes this federal law and the state law, and it gives you another avenue for um, fighting against it. This is something that we're telling a lot of teachers to do, because if a teacher is given curriculum and a teacher is required to go into a classroom and compel a student to say something, or to treat students differently because of their race, and they know they're violating their students' rights, but they really can't do anything else about it, they could possibly file an ethics complaint against their uh, superiors or against their school district. And the state's going to be obligated to look into that. Um, And so it's an administrative route, but there's many, many different ways to go about this, and we need to use every single legal tool that we have in our toolkit right now. And I think it's so important for teachers to hear and to know that parents stand with you. Um, If you're a teacher that's in a classroom and you're being forced to teach some of these things or you're being forced to be a part of trainings that you know go against your beliefs as a proud American um, that that believes that discrimination has no place in our country, um, you know, you can approach a Moms for Liberty chapter, reach out to Southeastern Legal Fund, uh, foundation and and let's try to figure out how we support teachers, right, Kim? Because I mean they're there on the ground in these classrooms, and it's just horrendous to think that you know people who got into teaching because they love children um, are being forced to turn children against each other. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely. As I mentioned, our our two clients right now in our two lawsuits are teachers, 
Um, and it's not just them. We've had so many other teachers that have come to us and are literally in tears. I mean, I'm not exaggerating, but in tears on the phone with us saying, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm leaving teaching. I cannot violate these kids' rights. I cannot teach them to hate because that's what we're being forced to do. And it's not the teachers, right? I mean, yes, there are the outliers. We see them on Twitter. We see them on lives of TikTok. We see things like that. But for the most part, these teachers want to teach our children and not indoctrinate them. And I think so, that yeah, they're working. We, we absolutely uh, stand with that. Yeah, and I think the teachers are working. Um, they're, they're fearful. They're fearful about their jobs mm-hmm. and their careers. They're fearful. You know, their children oftentimes attend some of the schools where they're teaching or where they, you know, so um, they were, these are their peers that they're working with. So, you know, teachers, please come forward. You can do it anonymously if you, if you need to. Um, but we definitely need you to stand with us. You are our partners in our children's education, and we value you so much. Um, and I just don't think we can say that enough, especially with Teacher Appreciation Week just winding down. It, you know, we love America's teachers, and, and um, we, we want to help to protect and defend education. Um, so, Kim, the next question is, what do I have to show to establish a Title VI Civil Rights Act violation? Um, and that's a very lawyer <laughs> right so you say in non-lawyer it speak is. what do you yeah <laughs> we try to get out of the it's lawyer a, speak it's a very lawyer, it is it's a very lawyer question but I mean one of the things we're trying to do with this guidebook is give parents also the tools that they have the right the right language to use right and so they can go to a school and say this is gonna this is violating my child's civil rights act I believe this is a title six violation and and what that really entails is that the school is doing something based on race you know at the end of the day the school, your child's school is treating your child or another student differently because of their skin color for the reasons that we said. They're, they're, not, they're denying them a benefit. They're considering race. They're disciplining students differently because of the color of their skin. That's a big one that we're seeing happening across this country. Um, and so, yes, there are legal elements that have to be established, but you're always just looking for that treatment piece. What act that did the school do? They had to have taken an act. And that act ultimately resulted in treating people differently because of the color of their skin. I say it a million times a day um, in that way, but th- that's what you're looking for. Um, and, you know, if you're seeing something like that, then you, you may need to take action. Sometimes action is as simple as going to the school and letting them know that this happened. Maybe the administration doesn't know what happened. Maybe a teacher doesn't know what happened. Find your allies in the school because, as you mentioned, there are so many amazing teachers out there who want to bring actual education back into the classroom. And so my advice to parents would be if there's something happens or occurs at your child's school, I would make the teacher aware of it and ask uh, the teacher directly about it, probably via email. Um, I would also, uh, I personally always believe in including the principal or the building leader um, on something if it really is a serious concern because I think... um, you know, this isn't just communication regarding, you know, your child's grades in the class or something. This is, you know, a possible civil rights violation. So um, include your, your building, you know, CC on an email, um, whoever that building leader is, and, and work through that process and see what the response is. And, and if the response is something that's still concerning to you, then you need to move up that chain of command and, and reach out to the superintendent in your district. Um, and, and always try to, to get things in email. Um, that's that's a, some advice. And the other advice that I'll give uh, Kim 
that a, a friend of mine, Jeff Childers, who's a lawyer who has been on this podcast before, has shared is that, you know, a lot of times these districts don't want to speak with you um, by email. Um, but uh, if they call you and you do have any type of a discussion, make sure you follow up with another email restating what was discussed in the call um, and, and send it back to them so that you have some type of, of um ability to hold people accountable, right? You And so the next thing we get to in this guidebook, which is probably one of my favorite parts, is transparency and education. Parents have a legal right to know what happens in school. And if you follow Moms for Liberty, you know that I say often, your parental rights do not stop at the classroom door. So Kim, take us through this page. Tell us about some of the state laws and federal laws that are in place that help parents to know what's being taught in school. Yeah, no, and that advice is excellent. Always document, document, document everything. Um, but, you know, in terms of transparency, every state has some sort of open records laws that requires schools, school boards, sometimes school board associations um, to actually make their records available. And we're talking here about, about any type of government records, text messages, contracts, videos, curriculum, lesson plans, presentations, all of that falls under state open records laws. What we see a lot of, happen to a lot of parents is that they request this, and then the school comes back and says, oh, it's going to be $200,000 for a <laughs> um, You know, that, that's absolutely obscene. Um, one way to get around that is to make very targeted open records requests. And so we actually do some training and are going to be launching some, some additional training on how to do a, an open records request and how to respond to your, the school's when they come back with that, because that's just insane and it won't hold up in a court of law. Wonderful. So I just want to mention, yeah, I just want to mention Kim that Kim is going to be at our moms for Liberty joyful warrior summit. She's presenting one of the strategy sessions will be a legal boot camp, And, and hopefully I think you're going to get into some details, um, there for our members, but, um, I'd love to have you on a webinar at some point, Kim, to talk a little bit more about those, um, records requests and how to go about that. Because I know there are a lot of parents listening right now that have received that $200,000, um, you know, quote for wanting to know, you know, what sex education looks like in their children's school. I personally asked to see a teacher's manual uh, for the English language arts curriculum in my son's fourth grade class, and I was told that I would get 15 minutes. Um, I would be supervised. I was not allowed to take any pictures or any recordings, and if I wanted longer than 15 minutes, um, I would have to pay for the supervision. I'd have to pay in order to be able to view it. So um, lots of shenanigans happening uh, across school districts in, in the country, and I will say to you, school district superintendents, um, even if you if you have nothing to hide, then why why the secrecy? Why the, the huge request? Why not transparency for parents? So continue, Kim. I'm sorry. I just had to stick that in. No, I think that that's so great, and I, and I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I mean, and this is a state-by-state kind of thing. And so we actually have training that we do with our college students that we work with on how to do open records requests um, to their colleges in a state-by-state basis and stuff. And so, yeah, we, w- we would love to do something like that Wonderful. Um, for your moms and for your members. Um, but, you know, what parents also don't realize is that federal law requires schools to make these documents available. So when the school comes back and says, well, the open records laws in our state allow me to charge you $200,000, a great response is, yeah, but federal law doesn't. And federal law requires schools to make all instructional materials available to parents. That means teacher materials, teacher training, surveys, lesson plans, books, student surveys, 
all the policies and procedures, your student record, the list goes on and on. The only thing that is not included in this is tests or assessments because presumably schools do frequently reuse those. And so um, this encompasses everything. So when a school comes and says, you have to pay this crazy fee or you can only see it for 15 minutes under this law, say, great, I want to see it under this law. Now you have to show me everything. Yeah, and, and I think you're talking about the Pupil Protection Rights Act, right, the PPRA, and, and, and yes, um, federal law does say that. I think, Kim, you know, what you and I have discussed before and, and where this really does become a problem is the fact that there's no accountability. There's no, uh, there's no way to hold the districts accountable under that federal law to, to actually show you the documents right now. And so, you know, I, I think one of the things that our moms need to understand that is so important is your collective voice not only in your own community, but joining together on your state and then eventually joining together state by state by state, um, you know, to support different types of legislation and different types of protections at the federal level for parents is important so that we can get some accountability here. So that the answer isn't, you know, you're requesting the information, you're not getting it, and then what do you do? But you actually have, um, there's some teeth, right? There's some ability to hold people accountable because I know that's been a real issue. It's a huge issue, and it, it's both in transparency and in privacy rights, right? Because these all fall under, like you said, um, PPRA. There's another federal law, FERPA, out there. Um, there's, a, there's a number of these that are out there, and parents don't have a right of action. In other words, they can't go sue in court when a school district violates these federal laws. But what we're finding is that a lot of state attorney generals actually have the power to investigate these violations. Just last week, we sent a letter to the Missouri Attorney General requesting that he launch an investigation into privacy law violations um, because some schools in Missouri, as they are across the country, are uh, collecting really personal information from kids without parent parental consent. And he has the authority to investigate this. He is launching an investigation and even impose civil penalties. And so there are a lot of ways to give these things teeth. I do agree we need additional legislation in transparency and in privacy rights for our kids and our parents. Um, but they're out there, and we're just trying to help parents kind of understand what those could be um, with putting this guidebook out there and with, you know, fortunately coming to, to your national conference this year. That's awesome. So parental consent, schools, what do schools have to get parental consent before requiring a child to answer? What can, what can they ask? What can, what can they not ask? Yeah, they can't ask about political affiliation, um, the child or the parent. They can't ask about mental or psychological issues. So anything on mental health, they're required to get parental consent um, before they ask them those questions. Sexual behavior, sexual identity, uh, personal questions about family members, any legally privileged information that they would have talked to, say, a doctor or a minister about, the religious practices. Um, it's a pretty long list of things they need parental consent for. A lot of these schools will say, hey, we sent something home when your kid registered in the beginning of the year, or it's on our, it's on our website, that's all we have to do. Well, that's not enough. One, it's not enough in the sense of we need more laws that further protect our kids, and it's not enough to give consent. They need to actually ask the parents and let them know that these questions are coming. So what's your advice for parents that um, may be finding out uh, about surveys happening in their districts? I know parents are hearing stories from other parents. It's one of the blessings of, of the age of information and, and you know the shared communication of parents across the country. So if parents are concerned that perhaps that schools are doing surveys or, or if maybe, you know, schools might be, you know, 
selling personal information uh, from students? What, what are parents, what can parents do? Yeah, well, I mean, the most important thing, as you mentioned, is band together as parents, right? And that's why groups like Moms for Liberty are so great. Um, work with your chapter heads, work with your state heads, and get this information out. Um, the survey information, and it, sometimes it's just done in a classroom assignment. It might not say survey on it. Um, but this needs to be exposed. A lot of times schools will back down from these particular lessons. Sometimes the schools don't even know that this is happening. It's being done as an individual classroom assignment. Um, and so, again, it's that process of emailing the teacher, emailing the, the school um, leadership team, things like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, you can send an ethics violation. You can send a letter to your state attorney general asking them to launch an investigation. Those take time, though, and they're not going to give immediate results. And so many times it's the exposing it and talk to your kids about this. That's my number one piece of advice for parents when it comes to their child's privacy rights. Talk to your kids about what a school can and cannot be asking them without parental consent. Because until we get opt-in laws, it's going to be the kids who see this stuff first. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing I think that's so hard for parents, right? Because we want to protect our children. We're concerned about what's being taught, but oftentimes we're not finding out about it until the damage is done, until something has happened. Um, but, you know, definitely getting your kids talking to you, at least telling you when these things occur is so important. Um, and then working with them to explain to them, I think you're right, you know, why it's wrong, right? Why in the, the foundation of our country and the principles that we hold dear in America and the rights that we have, why what's happening isn't okay. Um, because I know that sometimes, you know, when you're a parent, and something happens at school if you're especially if you're one of my children you know it's like oh mom you know you, you always you know this stuff always bothers you so much and you have to explain to your kids why it bothers you right so that they understand because I found in my own home that when I really explain to my children why some things that are happening aren't okay why they are violating their our, our, their rights as students or our rights as parents um, they really understand it and then they feel that they're being protected um, uh, because as you said before unfortunately sometimes kids um, are kind of iced out at school or that, you know, when you do express a concern, sometimes that does happen and we have to create, we have to really give our kids that agency and understanding to know what their rights are so that they can feel empowered by them. Um, so then the best, uh, the end of this, this guidebook, and I'm so excited to make sure that all of our chapters around the country get it. And if you're listening to this, you're not a Moms for Liberty member, this is going to be available to everyone. Um, and, and Kim, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to, to talk to people a little bit about how they can get access to it. Um, but I love the, the last few pages, which is the real world. Here are some ways your child's school could violate his rights and some concrete steps you can take to do something about it. And you just go through all of these questions um, from... Uh, different scenarios, your child's school is segregating students or, or, or teachers based on their skin color. Um, your child is required to affirm an idea he doesn't agree with. You give some steps and ideas of things to take. Um, and then, you know, your child is asked to remove a social media post that they shared off campus, right? Where did the rights start and stop? What is the school allowed to do? Your child is asked to revise an article they wrote for a school newspaper because the school disagrees with her views. I have heard this happen as well. So these are real uh, questions. Um, you have some information about your child being required to take a survey without your consent. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for putting this together. Um, so there's about, I think there's like 13 different questions and scenarios that you have at the end. Um, Kim, tell us, how will people be able to access this amazing information? Yeah, they'll be able to download it from our website, which is slfliberty.org. Um, or they, you know, they can also follow us on Twitter. 
um, SLF Liberty is our handle, but there'll be a direct download link. Like you said, this is free. Um, we are a nonprofit uh, law firm, and so you know all our services are provided for for free, including all of our resources. Wonderful. So if you want to follow um, Southeastern Legal Foundation on Twitter, it is at SLF underscore Liberty, and uh, Kim at Kimmy Herman. Um, it's at K-I-M-M-I-E-H-E-R-M-A-N-N. Kim shares some wonderful um, advice and help on Twitter. Um, and uh, definitely go to the SLF website, slfliberty.org, is it? That's correct. Okay, go to slfliberty.org, parents, and download um, A Parent's Guide to Saving America's Public Schools, putting tools uh, in your toolkit uh, to fight for the survival of America, um, you know, what an incredible opportunity that we've been given to recognize what's happening in this country and to right this ship. And Kim, I just want to say, um, I don't know many other people I'd want to have in my foxhole besides you. So thank you for doing this. Well, thank you to you. Um, we love working with Moms for Liberty and um, just look forward to, to continuing the fight together. we got a lot of work ahead of us, but we know we're going to win this. Yeah, so absolutely, everybody. Uh, come to the Joyful Warrior Summit. If you haven't registered yet, you can go to our website, momsforliberty.org. Uh, go to events. The National Summit is there. Kim's going to be presenting. We're going to have a number of other people that are presenting, giving you, again, tools in your toolkit to make the change happen that you need to see and want to see in your communities. Kim, I hope you have such a wonderful day and thank you again for creating this amazing resource. Hey, Joyful Warriors. So I um, have an interesting situation this week. We have brought uh, Kim Herman back. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard Kim from Southeastern Legal Foundation talking about a um, parent's Uh, guide or toolkit uh, to legal issues that they're dealing with with their children and and possibly with schools. And so um, you may have just listened to Kim uh, speak about that. And now I've asked Kim to come back because last night we had an interesting um, kind of thing happen where uh, the House Judiciary Committee um, sent a letter to the Department of, of Justice, Attorney General Garland, speaking about something that if you listen to the Moms for Liberty podcast, you've heard about me, heard me speak about before, which is the fact that um, the National School Board Association um, encouraged uh, the federal government to use counterterrorism tools, including the Patriot Act, to target parents who were speaking at school board meetings. And um, again, last night, a letter was sent to Attorney General Garland um, kind of making him aware specifically of the fact that we are aware the FBI had been contacting parents directly after they had spoken at school board meetings. And I know for many of you that are listening to this, that's somewhat shocking. And so Moms for Liberty has issued a statement today. We were mentioned in that letter. Um, yes, one of our members had been compa- contacted. Um, and um, so I brought Kim back to talk with us a little bit about your First Amendment rights. And um, I don't want you to be scared or intimidated by the fact that the government is weaponizing um, some of these tools. We can't, we can't let them do that to us. We need to stand in defense of our rights. Okay, so Kim, thank you again for coming on. And, and just any thoughts you have to share about First Amendment rights and what our parents need to know, um, because we certainly don't, again, want anyone feeling intimidated or scared to speak up. Uh, you know, we feel like we're embracing, you know, what's best about our country when we're doing that as parents and as Americans. 
Yeah, th- thanks for having me back. Um, you know, I don't want anyone to be intimidated either. And, you know, in reality, they shouldn't be because we have a First Amendment. So what we have is we have the progressive left coming in and trying to weaponize our federal government and scare people and scare parents by reporting them for the littlest things that they've said at some of these school board meetings. And when you get a call from the FBI, I get it. It can be scary. But what parents need to know is that when they go up there and they read a book that's being taught in, say, an AP English class, or they expose curriculum that is discriminatory, all of that is protected by the First Amendment, right? Do not let these people scare you into silence. They are desperate. They know that the law isn't on their side. They know that the public isn't on their side. And when they're grasping for straws like this, you know that we're winning. You know that we are taking back our schools, and you should be proud of that. And you should not be intimidated by what I simply call totalitarian tyranny. That's what it is, and it will not carry the day here in the United States. So, Kim, talk about protected speech and First Amendment speech. What do you have, you know, the right to say or not say? Um, Because, you know, we know a lot of parents are getting up and, you know, they're upset, right? They've seen their kids be um, quarantined, healthy quarantines, which, you know, I've said before, crimes against children, it's criminal. And and many parents, including, um, you know, the mom that I'm aware of, um, you know, you have situations where children have been quarantined and then schools have been shut down and really, you know, like 40 consecutive days of a child's school life was just taken from them, uh, stolen, really. And so, you know, parents get up and they're upset. And so what do you say? What, what you know, what is, what is, what do parents need to keep in mind when they're going up to, to speak at school me? Should they, they be scared to be honest, right? Or, or what, where are the boundaries here? They, they shouldn't be scared to be honest at all. What they need to do is just like any time you would speak to anyone or especially in public, think about what you're going to say before you get up there. Have it planned out. And as long as you aren't making direct threats of physical harm to people, your speech is going to be protected. If you are telling the truth, you are not threatening to harm another individual, you are not telling other people to harm an individual, and you are not spreading, again, false information about someone, your speech is protected. Even offensive and hate speech is protected in this country, like we talked about earlier. And so they should not be afraid to get up and tell the truth about how the masking has affected their children, about this curriculum, about this, the, the queer theory and critical race theory being put into schools. All of that is protected. Think about what you're going to say, plan it out, be professional, and don't make any direct physical threats against anyone, and your speech is protected. Okay, and then the last question, which is like crazy I have to ask, but I'm going to ask it is, if parents are called by the FBI, do they have a responsibility to, or, 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 or are they uh, forced or somehow do they, have, do they have to speak to the FBI if they're randomly called or what should they do if, if that happens? Because, you know, I mean, no doubt is that, is that scary. And, you know, Kim, I'll be honest, as soon as the DOJ and the NSBA stuff happened, I mean, it felt like an intentional... Um, it felt intentionally done to chill speech. Um, and I think, you know, that that was the desired effect. And certainly I do think that, you know, it, it had that desired effect in, in some capacity. And, um, you know, we really need to push back against it. So what do parents need to know if they do get contacted by the FBI? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're getting contacted by the FBI, then you should immediately contact an attorney. Um, contact a local attorney, contact you know our group, contact another group that's working on this, um, and get guidance as to you know what you should say, how to say it, what information you have to provide. They're gonna ask you a lot of questions, a lot of personal questions. I know because we've talked to numerous parents who have been called by the FBI. Um, so contact an attorney before you start talking to anyone in, in law enforcement, that, I mean, that, that goes across the board, right? Um, mm -hmm. And to your, to your second point, the, this was intentional. It was to silence parents, it was to chill, and it was to shut us up, and we will not be silenced. No, we won't. And so thank you, Kim, so much for coming back on just to chat quickly about this issue. Um, we will not be silenced. You are right. And I know you're a mom of two kids standing right alongside us. And, and I'll just tell you, uh, moms, we're very lucky to, to be building such amazing relationships across the country where we get to fight for our rights together. So thanks again, Kim, and I hope you have a great day. Next up, we chat with Pat, Chapter Chair Coordinator for Moms for Liberty across the United States of America. Okay, Joyful Warriors, you know it's my favorite time of the podcast. Right now, we're going to chat with Pat back again this week. Pat Blackburn. Hey, Pat, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. I am a uh... Sitting here trying to decide if uh, I want the top bunk in the gulag in the future. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I always pick the top bunk, I've heard. The top it's always the top bunk you want. Yeah. It's great. So yeah, so we're 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 thinking and we're and we're making light of a situation that is heavy because sometimes you have to laugh or else you'll cry. And we just finished, if you're listening to the podcast, you just finished hearing me uh catching up with Kim Herman. So I had Kim on to talk about this amazing legal boot camp uh and this in this guidebook that she's made for parents. Um and then she came back on because we saw this letter from the Judiciary Committee to the Department of Justice. Um, and, and Pat, boy, did we were named in that letter, Moms for Liberty. And, you know, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit, chat with Pat, about um, how are our moms feeling? Because I know a lot of people have been asking that question. And I know that, you know, we all know that the the DOJ and the Attorney General definitely, they're, they're, they were making an effort to chill speech and to, to quiet parents. So how are our moms doing? Well, we back in the fall, even though the attorney general was saying it wasn't. Um, parents all knew that this was happening back in the fall. And this um, incident that happened with one of our moms proved it. And I just applaud uh, our elected officials that when we call them, I think the lesson, there's two lessons to be learned here. First of all, um, we as American citizens need to stand up and call out tyranny when it happens. And second of all, we need to alert our elected officials. That's their job. And um, so as I'm talking to chapter chairs, um, you know, some of the questions you get is, are we on a list somewhere? You know, it is a concern. Um, but we knew this was happening. We knew this was a possibility back in the fall. And every one of us had to do that gut check and say, yeah, our kids are this important. And even if the federal government is targeting free speech in America, we're going to stand up for our children and their future. And so, um, yes, it's a concern. And 
no, we're not going to stop. Yeah. So I just uh, want to be clear when we found out, you know, when, when one of the moms came to us and told us that the FBI had contacted her, um, we immediately went to the Judiciary Committee members and, and other um, representatives because we want to, you know, it's a serious issue that needs to be taken seriously. But from my time as a school board member, what I know to be true is even if there is a concern at that level at the school board, you have local law enforcement that looks into anything that's happening in your area. And so to see the federal government being used and, and the federal and the Justice Department and the FBI being weaponized against parents um, has been shocking. It was meant to chill speech, but I know, Pat, our moms are tough, aren't they? They get this. I mean, they know this is not the way that America is supposed to work, and they're fighting to get back to where we, you know, to a place where we can trust the people that are elected. We don't have to worry our attorney general is going to lie under oath. Yeah, you know, when we first started um, with COVID and po the policies that were affecting our children, our children were not able to go to school. Uh, they were being forced uh, to mask. Sometimes it was uh, really harming our children. Yeah. Um, and when we started to speak up and organize in our communities to try and appeal to our elected officials, there were some barriers that we never imagined. Yeah. And one of those obstacles that we never imagined we would face would be the threat to our First Amendment right to address our grievances with our elected officials. Seriously, and just this to be clear, to be clear, we've seen it six ways from Sunday. We've seen it. We, yes. We've seen mics cut off. We've seen citizen input removed from the business meeting. We've seen citizen input removed from taken from three minutes to one minute. We've seen uh, there be a lottery list, and we've seen. Um, you know, I mean, we've seen crazy things. Three people get to speak before the meeting, and then you have to wait until after the meeting at 12 o'clock to speak. And we're talking about parents who have children here or are coming to the school board to be heard. Um, and, 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 you know, Pat, what do they think? Do they think that, like, the concerns are going to go away if they stop the, the citizen input, if the people can't? I mean, I would think it would only get worse, right? Isn't that, I mean, doesn't that seem to be the case? Absolutely. And, you know, I've said it often, if you've got, parents coming to you and lots of parents coming to you with concerns consistently silencing them would not be the way to rebuild that trust no and if you have one parent coming you better believe you've got more than one in that situation Absolutely. and you know if you've got 20 if you've easy. got no and if you've got 20 parents 30 parents coming in a district 50 parents in a district i mean come on school board wake up you've got a real problem here and it's not the parents speaking at your school board meeting right yes yeah, 100%. So, um, you know, you and I have lived through this in school board, and we've, we've been, you know, trying to, you know, really work to reclaim public education. And one of the things that we recognize to be true is that we have a lot of kids in our schools and a lot of parents in our country, and, and English isn't their first language. And so Moms for Liberty really wants to spread our message far and wide and make sure that we're reaching every parent where they are so that they can be effective advocates for their children. Um, because, you know, what we know to be true is that, you know, race, religion, uh, political affiliation, um, background in any way, you know, parents love their kids and want to see them be successful. And so I'm so excited, Pat, because we have a special guest today. Um, I, I want to welcome to the, the podcast Catalina Stube. Um, Catalina is our new Moms for Liberty Director of um, Hispanic Outreach, and we're so excited to have her joining our team. So Catalina, are you there? How are you doing? Hello, girls. Como están? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Welcome. <laughs> good, good. Catalina, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, listen, I am a mom of four, um, former uh, Miss World Colombia, 
and uh, very concerned parents about the the education of my children. And um, I'm here honored to join this organization that has been inspiring me for so long. And um, I have been following you so many months, uh, so many times, and I am proud now to work for you. That's so awesome. We're so excited to have you working with us and, and trying to reach parents. I know, Catalina, you had told me that you felt like this um, message about parental rights, you know, we talk a lot. We say it's a fundamental right. It's a, it's a right that the government doesn't give you, right? And, and um, that this right to direct the upbringing of your children. And I know you've shared with me the fact that you really feel like moms need to hear this message sometimes in their native language because it has such a deep-seated meaning. Um, and, and so tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about parental rights and where you feel like Latino parents are in America today and, and how we can help them. Absolutely. Um, children's are ours and it's very personal. It's our family. So definitely when you talk about your children, you are talking about your life, your personal life. And uh, when you share about in in your native language, you feel more more comfortable. You feel um, uh, talking um, better to a person, and the message that we are going to share in Spanish is way better. Uh, I'm feeling that I I talk way better Spanish <laughs> than English, uh, even if I try every every day. But um, definitely, the 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 values of the Latino, uh, it's it's uh, it's at stake right now. Uh, we believe strongly in uh, freedom of education, transparency, and uh, the government is not offering right now that. It's it's a sad reality that we have to face. We have to prepare with our children, and we have to fight. And thanks God now we have Moms for Liberty, but we need the backup of all the parents, all the Hispanic community, uh, get all together and, um, you know, we will protect, defend and promote the American family at all costs. We will protect our freedom to educate and guide our children, even if um, uh, the militant left plans uh, try to destroy uh, affecting direct uh, this young generation and uh, we are not going to allow it no so, we uh, aren't good for i know i'm so excited if anyone's listening to catalina talk you then you know exactly why we've brought her on our team because she's so passionate about this and, and we share you know as moms we share this love for our children and it just really it trans everything it transcends everything doesn't it catalina and pat i mean it's just bigger than any anything um else in your life that's correct. The Latino moms are very protective uh, with their children. We want to offer the best education, the best values. Uh, we don't want confused children. We don't want that uh, government raise our children. So that's why we are now joined this beautiful army of moms. And uh, we, are, we are ready to fight. We are, we are not going to back up even if the Department of Justice uh, try to, to do so and, uh, and label innocent, concerned parents uh, as, a, as a terrorist, we don't care. We, we are here to, God put us here to defend our children and we are going to do it. It doesn't matter what it, it, it have to take. Wonderful. 
I, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, if you're a Moms for Liberty chapter and you're listening to this and you'd like for Catalina to speak um, to members of your community, let us know. Um, we can record a message that you can share. We can possibly have Catalina come out. Um, she's going to be traveling um, to different places in the country to hopefully be meeting up with our moms and, and meeting up with um, other moms in the community to talk to them. Um, so if you have an organization that you'd like for Catalina to come and, and speak, um, please let us know catalina um i have I, I i do you have any message that you'd like to send in spanish and perhaps we can clip it and kind of send it out or, or, or um if there's anyone listening um monday we'll have to do, have you do maybe a, a whole podcast in spanish that would be fun you can hijack no, the joyful nice. yeah, yeah you can hijack the joyful warrior podcast what is joyful warrior in spanish tell us Claro que sí. Eh, en ningún momento quiero que sientan ustedes padres que el gobierno eh, tiene la capacidad de educar a sus hijos. Ellos tienen solamente la responsabilidad de educar a sus, a, a, a sus hijos eh, simplemente en la parte académica. Nunca en sus valores, nunca en su religión. Y esto lo tenemos que tener bien en claro, defenderlo, luchar por, por nuestros hijos, porque no se confundan más en los colegios, porque no les eh, empujen una, una idiosincrasia de género o una ideología eh, y confundirlos más. Simplemente luchemos por nuestros hijos y por una educación más transparente. Thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. beautiful. Yeah, and, and, and thank you, Catalina. Thank you for joining us and sharing your message of love for kids and our country. Um, Pat, you have anything you want to, I mean, how beautiful. You have anything else you want to share? I just want to thank you, Catalina, for, I mean, it's, it's one thing to support the parental rights movement. It's another thing to put on a Moms for Liberty t-shirt and make it your passion. And I just thank you so much. You're going to be helping so many communities. Um, I know that many of our chairs uh, have said that they have communities in their counties where, um, you know, the people, the Latino people really care about the things going on in their schools and they care about being being able to be parents to their children. And so uh, I just want to thank you for joining us. And do you know what I always end with? To, to I know. Me? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. So <laughs> if you're sitting on the comfy couch today and you're feeling depressed because of the direction of education, because of the direction of the country, I encourage you to feel better. And the best way to do that is to get up off that couch and join a Moms for Liberty chapter. And if you don't have a chapter, get 10 friends and start one. And it's real easy. Just go to momsforliberty.org. You can find your chapter or click start a chapter and we'll help you through it. Are you heard her people yeah. get off the comfy couch? Pat, Catalina, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Joyful Warrior Podcast. This is a great podcast that we have this week with lots of tools uh, to help you uh, to be a more effective advocate for your children. Please uh, share out on social media with everyone. And with that, we say have a wonderful weekend um, and uh, God bless America. Thank you. As always, we want to thank Pat Blackburn for her effort supporting joyful warriors around the country. And that's going to do it for this week's Joyful Warrior podcast. Join us next time. United we stand. Our children. Our choice. Our future.